Hey everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Bowles, site manager, emperor, supreme warlord, and defender of the faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me once again are Jude Seymour, my senior editor, and our chief inspector, Brendan McElinden. Fellas, we got a W. Yeah, this is a Villains 3 podcast, right? That's what we're, do- that's what we're here today for? <laughs> I mean, we can certainly go that route. We can certainly go that route. Is, uh, is Chase Bryce uh, going to be the next Jimmy Clausen? Going to be the next, uh, uh, I don't know. He, he I mean, he certainly, like a he certainly has the uh, the look of a Clausen. I, I, I submit it's more Casey than Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so because of uh, just poor scheduling on my part and lack of uh, lack of looking ahead, uh, look, this is uh, this, I, I don't I'm not going to explain how ridiculously stupid everything is because of Notre Dame's media policies, but it really, for some reason or another, has got me completely twisted up and uh, and mixed up. That's that's fine. That's fine. So I got about uh, 30 minutes tonight. Uh, with Brendan and Jude, and then they will carry on uh, without me. I am on a footpath uh, somewhere between South Bend and Tampa Bay. Uh, (laughs) Just stalking the enemy, uh, if you will. Uh, So, you guys, uh, I mean, I guess this is one of those times where we're we're over with. Like, we're, we're way past a win is a win is a win. And yet, I look at this game, and I'm like, man, just getting the win seems really important given the circumstances revolved, you know, that revolves around, uh, you know, I don't know, the world right now. Uh, <laughs> is that something you guys are in line with or are you guys ready to, to spit hot fire? I mean, you if know, you look I, around I, I, the lake, go ahead, Jude. Oh, I apologize, Brendan. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I think as a fan base, we tend to overreact about the first game anyways. And so, you know, I think back to, you know, Pete Sampson saying the first the first game is sort of indicative of how the season's going to go, which he's backed off for for this year just because of the kind of the COVID thing or whatever. But I, I really do try my best not to read too much into a ridiculously small sample size, which is just one game out of a hopefully uh, 14 or 15 game season. Well, I wrote about that actually today about Sampson's theory on that. And I guess, so I submitted to the readers was basically like, what if we were actually, what if Navy was still our first opponent of the season? And we just went out there and fucking crushed them. Uh, like BYU crushed them. Nothing else changes. No, no, there's no other changes other than that's the opponent. And we go out there and crush them. Our outlook would look a lot differently. We probably know a lot less than what we know right now. Uh, but our outlook and our demeanor would, look, you know, it, it's all based off of who you're, you know, of who you're playing there. So I, yeah, this year, I'm glad Pete, Pete stepped back from that because I just don't find any validity with that, given what's happening. You can look around for me. I, you just look around, um, other college fan bases in America today being Sunday. Uh, look what, how, how are they feeling in names, Iowa right now? <laughs> um, how are they feeling down <laughs> How are they feeling down in Tallahassee? Feeling in Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah. How How are they they feeling feeling in Manhattan, Kansas? Little Big Apple. Yeah. And the Little Big Apple. I mean, how was North Carolina feeling for for quite a while on Saturday? I mean, they finally pulled away, but uh, that was was dicey. 
I still, you know, I still think that this is Clemson's conference to lose. And uh, Notre Dame is right, right there behind them. I'm not, not right behind them, but they are. I think that we're. You're right there. And then there's there's a bunch. I mean, I just think there's a bunch of a bunch of teams. And then throw in what happened first weekend, like you said, Brendan. I mean, who knows what anyone has at this moment, or what's gonna happen. I mean, shit, Virginia Tech can't even field a football team right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we want to, as fans, want to extrapolate and say, well, this team, the way they played will never beat Clemson. And, you know, it's, it's I think it's important to remember that that Clemson game is in November, um, November 7th, if I'm not mistaken. And there's a lot of football to hopefully be played between then and now. And so I can agree with the premise of if they played against Duke or against Clemson, the way they played against Duke, they wouldn't win that game. But I think that there's, I think there's a lot of um, gelling that still needs to be done. And I'm willing to submit that this is going to be a more of a, right. More of an opportunity to, to gel than, than, um, than what, what we saw on on Saturday. Cause I, I felt like it was kind of dysfunctional on Saturday. I was going to wait a little bit to drop this hot fire, but I wanted to make sure Josh was here for it. Um, do you, either of you remember? So you the, make sure I don't talk at all? Well, do you remember the 1993 <laughs> season first? Do you remember the 1993 football season? It's Absolutely. Kind of a good one, right? Uh, do you know well, how Notre Dame opened the season? Do you, do you remember how they opened that season? It was a 27 to 12 kind of sloppy clunker against the Northwestern Wildcats. And if you would have looked at that game first weekend of the year and thought that Notre Dame was going to end up beating Florida State um, in mid-November, uh, right. you probably would have thought. Right. There's right. lots of evidence for both. I mean, for, for both arguments, there's there's a ton of evidence. But that's the thing. If, if you have evidence on both sides that are that are you know just mounting, then I mean, what can you make of that? You know, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I think just to get down to the nuts and bolts of it all. You know, the, the fans are just, I mean, fans are fickle anyways. And when there's already like an anxiety about certain parts of your football team or your, or the way a team performs before you go into the game, having some of those anxieties and fears uh, realized and played out in front of you, such as perhaps an offensive line uh, seemingly underperforming or a quarterback who uh, has had pocket presence issues in the past, having pocket presence issues those things are like extremely magnified uh, in the scope of it all. So, I mean, I just, we tend to, I mean, we tend to gravitate towards so much of the negative and, and, you know, look, nothing is, a, no one should be out there spitting rainbows and, uh, you know, and awesomeness right now, you know, and nothing else because, that, you know, that's not the case, but clearly, clearly this team has things they need to work on. But there's still plenty of bright spots. Uh, I would submit that the defense uh, is freaking fantastic. And by the way, before we move on from that, I don't want to look too far in the future, but if I'm not mistaken, Clemson doesn't run, they don't play in cold weather. That makes a big, big, big deal. So if there so happens to be a cold weather game in November, just like Notre Dame going out to the freaking desert, uh, <laughs> you know, late in the season, that affects your team. I'm just, just leaving that there. You guys can. You know, you can play around with it, do whatever you want with it. But anyways, I there's still some good things in this team. 
defensively, Jeremiah Wusukormoa, Kyle Hamilton, uh, God bless his leg. Uh, Clark Lee, who, who I wrote about today. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. A slow start was uh, 240 yards and six points. And then about 120 yards uh, and a touchdown after that. I mean, take what you want. Yeah. And I mean, Isaiah Foskey looked fantastic. It's nice to have that young guy coming off the edge, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, I was just, I was, I was wondering if, if we are starting or joining Isaiah Foskey and Michael Mayer fan clubs, are, do we have to start those up or do they exist somewhere? Cause I'd like, I'd like memberships of both. Well, I mean, Jude, you chose Foskey, I believe to lead the team in sacks, right? I don't know, I think, but I, I, I mean, you might've done it out of spite or just be <laughs> contrarian. I think I picked Ade, but I like Foskey a lot. Oh, maybe just, he did. Okay. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm on, I'm on team Foskey. Like when I saw that he was wearing the seven, I guess it didn't click with me that he was wearing seven. And so then I caught some coming off the edge and I thought, oh man, I, I'm just, I'm in, I'm in love with this idea. Uh, he just, you know, he, str- yeah. he looked good. I, I was surprised. I think the stat, she only had him down for two tackles, but I felt like he was a disruptor. His, he had two um, quarterback hurries though. I mean, he, he wasn't exactly that. He was an out, he was a disruptor. He was a presence on the field. He was a problem uh, for Duke, um, a, a major problem on a day where I mean, honestly, I mean, did you guys really feel threatened by Duke at all in the in this game? No, no. I had I had somebody tweet at me maybe like the first quarter um, about you know what what are you gonna say if Notre Dame loses to Duke? And I was just like I. I I don't even like entertain that stuff anymore because I'm just like, that is the anxiety of the fan base reflected. And, you know, sometimes I do loop back with those people and just be like, how are we feeling now? You know, because it's just, it's just a reminder that like whatever happens in that first quarter, uh, just like it felt like the Boston college game. I mean, I just felt like this was like a triple fumble away from being the Louisville game last year. Yeah. This to me felt almost identical to the Louisville. And when you compare Duke, like, like, well, what Notre Dame did to Duke last year, first of all, Duke was much later in the season when Notre Dame was rolling. I mean, they, they had got games. They had they were rolling. Plus, I think this is a probably a better Duke team because their comp, their quarterback seems way more competent than, than what they had last season. So, I mean, and they still had, you know, you still had your defensive ends on Duke. I mean, I, I thought this is a better Duke team than last year. I did. I'm not sure if I believe that going into the game, but watch them. I could see it, especially the quarterback play. I, I think I think that was dramatic difference from last year. And yeah, this just it was such a huge reminder of what the Louisville game was like last year. And the same kind of talk from fans, uh, the same kind of feeling. Uh, and then you go into, you know, a, a bit of a role. And you, I mean, it, it was a case where they almost hit the spread. Um, they didn't. Um, I mean, the interception, it was also, the, the interception of the goal line keeps you away from the spread, right? Like, yeah, like 75 Kyra, yards. Kyra, or, or, or if that was Chris Tyree instead of Kyra Williams on that screen, I, yeah. you know, <laughs> which is a play I would think, don't you, did that, should that have been Tyree? Anyways, but I mean, that you it was, remember, you were right there for it. You were, you were there for when, in the Louisville game last year, when Jafar Armstrong went down, everybody on the, the press side just looked at each other like, what do we do now? Right. It was the same thing when uh, Benny Sko got hurt, when Ben Skoranek got injured. Right. It was like, <laughs> well, fuck, what do we do now? And a wide receiver then didn't happen to catch a pass until there were 50 seconds left in the half. 
And then Joe Wilkins comes out of nowhere. Joe Wilkins is your first. I loved your tweet. I loved your tweet. And it says it said something to the effect of Ben Ben Skoranek is now out of out of the remainder of the game. You won't even notice. I mean right, that's and I, that's hard. And, and I want to make sure if if people were saw that and you're listening to this podcast, I wasn't trying to be a complete asshole. I, I really was not. I that was not a I had a lot of high hopes for Skoranek. But so many fans had no idea. And and him going out that I meant it because he went out so early. And the the quick report was this is going to be a while, so I'm like you're not even going to notice it because he was he wasn't even there for you to cheer for for, you know five minutes anyways. Uh, but yeah, you're not <laughs> you're not going to notice it. Uh, but that's not to say that Notre Dame's offense wasn't going to notice it. You know, it, it, they were definitely going to be leaning on Benedict Skoranek uh, a little bit out there as a veteran and somebody who's been in these games. And I'm sure Ian Book would have liked him out there. Uh, and it, just, it took a moment for them to to catch up, to to figure out what they were going to do. You know, no Braden. Someone said, your three best receivers, the three most athletic receivers, never played a snap. Braden Lindsey, Jordan Johnson, and Kevin Austin. So you went ahead and went, you know, you win a 14-point game without three of your best players taking a single snap. I think... I mean, I don't know. I mean, there was obvious issues with Book. I mean, he's got happy feet. Um, and he has to get corrected. But through it all, it wasn't really as bad as what – I mean, don't burn down the dome. It's, it's going to be okay. And they discovered – we all finally discovered why the staff was so high on Kyron Williams. Because, oh, absolutely. Boy, did he turn in the game, right? 200 yard, all-purpose yards. Yeah. Uh, you know, running and uh, pass catching. That was – that was fantastic. I, I think a couple that, of times he got blown up on blocks, but yeah, it was great. I think there <laughs> was, I mean, I, my, my takeaway was I can't wait to watch Michael Mayer play. Cause I, I think that Ian book is going to start to rely on him pretty quickly as a, as maybe a, like a safety valve uh, when he's in there, uh, just the, he had to defeat a block. He had to defeat a tackle to, to make a third down conversion and he just shook the dude and it was awesome. I mean, it was just so cool. And then I think his first ever catch was uh, right after the the fake from Bramblet. It was like, it was a, sort of like a jump ball in, in, in between two dudes. And he just, Oh, it was he, a, he, it he was by throw. It. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, he, but I, I think book put it where, where he knew mayor could get it, which yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll talk to Greg here in a, a couple minutes, but like, I, I just thought that was just like this amazing uh, sequence because all of a sudden the Bramblet uh, fake is, is great because first of all, apparently there was only 10 guys on the field for Duke. So uh, Kelly says that they were, they were planning fake the whole time, but that just makes it so much easier. Right. It, Cause they've got numbers on the side that he ultimately runs to. Um, and a lot of putters would have just ran right into that traffic. Bramblet cut really the athlete. He was that excellent cut there. You know, not only got the first down, but he got some more, I mean, he got more yardage after that. So, uh, I mean, look, that's a ballsy, that's a ballsy call. I, uh, yeah, because he had you know, to get, it's, what, it's, 14? It's, to make it, it, it felt, de- I mean, it felt desperate. As soon as I seen that, seen that action going that way, I wasn't like, oh, hell yeah. I was like, I felt this is desperation because uh, things are not going well. But, I mean, he got it. So then it goes from feeling that desperation to like, you know, let's go fucking get this. 
So well, it's funny because it's funny too because when it the context of when it came right, and Carl Carl's made this point on, on the pot of gold extra t- t- uh, and today or whatever with Tom Noy, he's like Notre Dame has just announced Brian Kelly's got this contract extension. They're battling Duke like, like the first quarter's just ended or whatever, and then they're like they're looking at the what third or fourth series where they're three or out or or just a, a, only a couple of plays and and out, and so everyone's kind of like on edge already if he doesn't make that first down i mean it's like it is burn the dome down time for a couple people it was three straight three and outs and to start the game they just got their first first down of the game just before that and it was fourth and eight from your own 21 yard line and you not only do you call a fake punt but you let your punter run it you don't, it's Bram, like we were, I think we were joking about Bramblett picking up, uh, you know, making passes, right? Cause he's a former quarterback, uh, on fake punts. And I think we were, we were goofing on fake punts, um, you know, two weeks ago and he picks it up on the ground, That's which I'm ball. much more comfortable. Like I'd much rather a punter run, run for it than throw for it. That even, a, even a former high school quarterback, I'm still more, much, there's yeah, less he's damage, not there's less up damage to be done. He's not yeah. warming up on the sidelines. Yeah, he can, he can run. Uh, throwing it would have been like, oh, that, that's some Kirby smart shit. So, <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, there's just so much. Look, Maris Lewifaus' hair is amazing out there. There's, I think there's just a lot of things that, you know, we, we're not going to talk about South Florida tonight, but I think that, we're going to find out way more uh, about this team uh, this week, you know, and that's not to say uh, South Florida is like some big test, but it's a test for Notre Dame to see if they can get back up to their standard of where they should be. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, Kyron Williams is a, had a, had a great game. Chris Tyree just needs some more balls given to him. Uh, Jafar Armstrong. I, I, I don't know what his little hop skip was on that, on that screen. I, yeah. you know, if he doesn't do that, I think he, I think he scores. I, I don't know what the hell he was thinking on that, but, uh, but you know, bringing him in uh, to, to do stuff like that. How, how encouraged were you though, that like, even if Tyree missed a, a blitz pickup and, and you know, yeah, and he's back in. Made, and yeah, he's back in. And, and even if he's getting two yard losses, right. Cause he ends up with 20 total rushing yards and he had a 25 yard run, but it's, it's, the, it's not that Kelly and company are going, okay, let's, Let's let's cut this short. Let you, you know, get him out of here. Let's right. bring in Jameer Smith or bring in uh, Jafar Armstrong and like let them have the carry. Like they, they yeah, gave, it, it I think they mistake. gave him an honest shot. Yeah, it was one, one mistake. And even more even more encouraging than that is you know and I, and I tweeted this out was like look Notre Dame and Tommy Reach they were, they were not abandoning the run. It was not working early. Uh, it's that's not all the lines fault. I mean the, you. Some of that, you know, was on Kyron. That's, you know, his first time really out there getting some action, you know, get, getting the, off the right block and, and all that. But things weren't really going, you know, going well. There could have been a, a, been a tendency, a past tendency to, all right, sling it. They really, they really uh, stayed, you know, stuck with it. And it worked. Uh, they, had a, they had a nice day on the ground. I mean, it wasn't like mind, you know, bog, you know altering uh, rushing yards. But, you know, it was certainly enough to help us win a football game. And in the process, you know, you give, I mean, look at, all you have to do is look at Kyron Williams body language on the field. You get, you just gave him a ton of confidence, a ton of confidence. 
if the young man could just keep his helmet on his head. Oh my God, uh, yes. That yeah. we are, that we should be able to see. I mean, anytime he, he looked his, over at him, his helmet was falling off. He lost his helmet celebrating that first touchdown. I popped just, off. He lost I, his helmet. I must. I was thinking he might not be playing with a chin strap or something because it just the way that it just kept popping off. I mean, know? he had lovely hair under there. I mean, um, he has he, his hair does look very, very luxurious and very bouncy. So I'm not sure how those new helmets work in there, but yes, that that's gonna need to be locked up. And I, I, think, I would. Do, I, do I, think, I, I bet you never see it off his head again in, during a game. Rest of the is season. it is it possible the ACC logo threw him off of balance on his, on his helmet there? <laughs> Uh, I mean, uh, all kidding aside, Pete Sampson was making this comment about how it looked like a minor league baseball park. Right, there were so many right. ACC logos. Like, first of all, I didn't. I, I mean, they, they pointed him out during the NBC broadcast and I wasn't in the stadium. Pete was. But it's just it didn't strike me as 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 anything more than what needed. Well, it's to be because done. you watch college football games, Jude. You have become <laughs> immune to watch. It's not like you're only watching Notre Dame at Notre Dame Stadium. We are, we are all become kind of immune to uh, some of that stuff because that's just what's there when we're watching other college football games. Yes, this is Notre Dame Stadium. This is a lot different. Uh, you know, if the, if the field would have been would have been blue, we would have noticed. But it wasn't painted blue. There was just some other stuff on there. They've had other logos on there before. In fact, in 2017, they had a uh, uh, a certain thing painted on the field. I can't remember where it was. Right where the ACC logos were at. So. I, there's just like a, a familiarity that you just kind of block out some of the nonsense. And, and that was some of the nonsense. I think it's funny that they didn't get new pylons. They still used the ND. Modern <laughs> pylons. Yeah. They just slapped an ACC it. sticker I, over them. I thought that was lovely. Uh, just, uh, you know, you just think about the, you know, the, the visuals of that of at the end of the season, just peeling that off with a little, with a little bit of Windex. Uh, but yeah, I, did, I, I mean, the, the more striking thing is, and, and I think I'm going to do an off the rails about this tomorrow, is I, I still don't, like everyone talked about the atmosphere, and I'm sorry, but I just did not, that was too big of a difference for me to just dismiss as there was atmosphere. I know they said that, and the players talked about it, and this and that, but <laughs> maybe it's just because NBC needs to stop panning to the crowd, but it's extremely noticeable. It's very noticeable, and I, I would think that, I don't know, as the season goes on, it's going to continue to be noticeable, um, and that's fine. I mean, this is what we have to do to have a season, but let's just not, let's not pretend that it's that it's still like a whole bunch of atmosphere, because it's not. I mean, it just, it just isn't. Um, I, th- I, th- I think that I'll never get over uh, refs walking over to coaches to explain a decision and dropping their mask, like – you're defeating the purpose of a mask here, friend. You know? well, what was the point the, of not the, swaying together? I know everything about it is performative <laughs> nonsense. The fact that they're even wearing masks is absurd on its own because all of them are tested. All of them are tested before the game, right? Yeah, but I, I think, Brandon, you're missing the point, which is we're, we're showing America and the public the way that we should be doing it. Even that's if you, dumb. Uh, that's dumb. Because no, it's, it's not. Like, it's not dumb. You're that's, watching them. They have their, their masks down at their, their chin. Right. I was okay. watching. No, that I that I don't that I don't buy. Yeah. There was a lot of there was ref huddles where there was one ref that just kept insisting on putting it around his chin like it was a chin strap. And I was I was thinking like, dude, like, yeah, at this point, you're not even you're not wearing a mask. Was he the one that was that should have called that offensive pass interference? So they're supposed to <laughs> show America how they're supposed to act instead of like 
like be reasonable about how how they're doing things and and being like when did it become their job to to teach Americans how to behave? Well, it's, it's just it's a sign of respect, right? Like I I don't want to transmit the virus to you. You don't want to transmit the virus to me. And like I know what you're saying. No, yeah, everyone's been tested or whatever. But like you know, there's support staff. There's all sorts of people that have, they're coming in contact with that they can't two, possibly have tested everybody. Two quick you know? things before I got to go here. Uh, and uh, the one is. Is kind of leans on that again. I just the 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 swaying there, the, the non-swaying. These guys are tackling each other. They got their yeah. their faces up their crotches uh, throughout the game. That seemed like that part of it was was the performative part uh, yeah. to me. I mean, the coaches having the mask, they should. Seeing Tommy Reese put it up and down, up and down, up and down, he should be touching his face that much, anyways. That's exactly what it's there for. Uh, but so getting into so the last thing I want to say before I go is Tony Dungy boring as fuck. I mean, that was a boring ass. Yeah, but he didn't make, he didn't make me mad. No, he yep, didn't make, he didn't me, make mad. me mad. I'm not, I, and I am not, I am not asking for Doug Flutie to be coming back. <laughs> what I am saying though, is that Tony Dungy, oh my God, couldn't you have found somebody else? I did not have to be Brady Quinn, but Holy, I mean, snooze fest. I, I, I will wait for total uh, one more game, and then I'm hell, is Dungy, is Dungy going to be a part of the USA Praga guys this weekend? I would imagine so, right? Who knows? Yeah, I think it's yeah. Well, yeah. anyways, I, I had to get that off my chest because uh, when you're that dull, it's that noticeable. All right, very so, quick, very quickly before you have to go, if you were yeah. to have a letter letter grade on this game, what would you say? B minus. Yeah, that seems right. No, I don't. I mean, right. saying a C or a C plus, I think is too harsh. Uh, on a on a 14 point win um, for the opening game, uh, but you know it, for all the reasons stated and that I'm sure you guys will get into in much more detail, you know, th- this wasn't an A game. Uh, and there are there were just a lot of things going on. And now, like again, like I said, South Florida will tell will you know will tell us are they really correcting this? Is this really was this really just a one game thing? Was it or is this a uh, you know, an ongoing problem. Uh, we'll know more about that. And I mean, again, if Notre Dame ever tells us anything about injuries officially, we'll have a better idea about, you know, about all that. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be minus and I'll take it. I mean, yeah, I, I'm having to write down one and O parentheses one and O. Uh, so, <laughs> so that, that's, that's where we are right now. So, all right. Josh, so, it was, oh, it's always a pleasure to get your insight. I'm too bad we can't do t- too much longer tonight, but uh, we'll we'll be back uh, later in this week to uh, to talk to you more. Absolutely, absolutely, guys. So <laughs> go Irish. Go Irish. Hey everybody. So Josh has left us, um, but we have entered in Greg, our friend from UHND. Uh, Greg can be found not only at UHND but on the Untitled Notre Dame USC podcast and on Twitter at Greg twenty one twenty six. Greg, how the hell are you tonight? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. That podcast is just, it's just Notre Dame this year. No oh, USC. That's true. Are you, <laughs> is there, is there renaming in the works or, or no, Michael? We're just gonna, we're just gonna, it's untitled. It's still untitled. And still we're just, untitled. Gonna, just doing Notre Dame this year. All right. Is Michael going to watch the Notre Dame games and cheer and chip in and. Uh, I don't know if he's going to watch, but we're going to talk about it. So. <laughs> Good for it. Good for you. Good, good for, for you. To watch. Yeah. yeah. 
So, Greg, uh, Brent and I probably have a thousand questions for you, but let's start with the with the thirty thousand foot view. You've gotten a chance not only to watch the game live, but uh, to to do a rewatch uh, on your own time. And I just wanted to see what you thought because I, I, I've heard a couple of takes out of you on Twitter today that seemed yeah. different from the conventional wisdom. And I thought maybe you could expound on what what you thought what you thought you saw. Um. So I. I wrote a piece like I was I've been kind of all over the place myself. I wrote something. I think it might have just gone up actually on uh, on the site so people can check that out. But it's basically about how what the reality of the situation is versus um, what our expectations were. And it's hard to it, it for me. Um, it was really hard to kind of accept the fact that. This is how, like, the, the, you know, the sloppiness, like, the, the slow start and that sort of thing and not clicking on all cylinders, it, it, maybe that's understandable given the situation, right? They, they didn't have a spring, and they even missed some fall practice, and that's just not conducive to looking the way that you would expect. But, you know, the, the team runs out of the tunnel, and, and it's on NBC, and Tony Dungy's there, and Mike Tirico's there, so you figure, okay – what we're I, I expect to see this football game, you know, that they're going to play and I have an expectation for how it's going to look and Duke stinks. So uh, let's see it. And when you don't see it, it, it's just, you have that, um, you can't, you can't, it's, we can hold two things in our mind at the same time, but we're not very good at it. Our brains aren't very good at, at processing dueling uh, narratives at once. So, you know, you go into it and you think, yeah, I understand. It might look a little sloppy. And then you have three, three and outs in the first three series. And it's like, okay, this is unacceptable. Um, Tommy Reese stinks, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I, go ahead. Uh, sir, one of the things I was definitely interested in is your take on, on Tommy Reese's play caller. Um, did you feel like there was an evolution throughout the game? I, I know we were talking uh, in our chat uh, during the game, and you had kind of said that Tommy was was letting the running backs run into this brick wall and then that he basically needed to mix it up a little bit better. Did you feel like he figured it out as the game went along and understood what the game was giving him? Or do you feel like you still had kind of a game plan in mind and he was executing it, uh, be damned to the consequences? I think that I think that um, Tony Dungy hit it really well during during the broadcast. It's that you know they, the way to go in this particular game, and I think it will be the way to go just in general for this team, especially given the personnel. It's like they need to be more. They need to be have a little bit more variety. Like they need to be. They they need to have some misdirection. I don't understand. Like the thing that I really didn't get was the game plan coming in, I just felt like there were so many just straight dropbacks. You're just dropping him back. It's a run play or you're just dropping him back to throw the ball. And that's not very difficult for the defense. Like that's not, that doesn't make them think that doesn't put them off balance in any sort of way. We didn't see any sort of misdirection or anything like that. Jet sweeps or motions. So that was where I was. I just didn't understand because when you put when you put uh, 
you know, McKinley out there and Skoranek and Davis. And it's, look, it's not that those guys can't play. We've said it before. We've said it in other podcasts. Like they can, it's not like they can't be out there, but if they are going to be out there, they're not the type of guys that are just going to beat people one-on-one with straight dropbacks. You have to, you have to get Ian Book outside the pocket. You have to emphasize their strengths. And um, I think that as the game went on, you know, kind of like Clark Lee does, right? Like there are some things that don't work in the beginning and then they're just adjustments and then it gets cleaned up. I think over the course of the game, Tommy Reese mixed things up a little bit. He called a bunch of plays that were touchdowns that weren't executed on. And we'll probably get to that later, but you know, it's his first game, you know, whatever he thought with the game plan, I didn't think that it was the best one, but over time he adjusted and we allow for Clark Lee to do that. So we should allow for Tommy Reese to do that. I mean, I know you don't know the answer to this, but what do you ascribe some of this, um, vanilla offense to a lack of imagination on Tommy Reese or maybe a conservative outlook or the lack of opportunity to install something uh, more complex than maybe the, the basic deal just because of the reduced number of practices. I think, I mean, it certainly could be bold, right? I think that something that we're seeing early on, and it really does bear out when you dive into the numbers. And I was doing just sort of a cursory glance at some of the teams that really performed well over the weekend, because what you saw a lot this weekend, you know, Louisville looked fantastic and we'll get to Louisville in a little bit, but their special teams looked absolutely dreadful. And across college football, you saw a lot of bad special teams because teams, they lost spring practices. So they couldn't dedicate thing. They couldn't dedicate time to things like special teams. And when you look at Duke, Duke ended up getting three spring practices. Notre Dame only had the one. Um, but there were some programs in college football that ended up completing their spring practice. One such school was Coastal Carolina, that was absolutely <laughs> boat racing. Les Miles, Kansas, Kansas. Team yeah. Over the weekend, they got 15 spring practices. Um, Arkansas State, you know, clowned, you know, Kansas State got 11 spring practices. Uh, Clemson, which they look basically as expected. They had everybody except every freshman but one player in. Uh, Wake Forest didn't do anything all game um, until the, the fourth quarter offensively. Uh, they had nine spring practice. You know, you look at a team like Louisville, like I said, Louisville, they did, they did end up getting nine spring practices in there and their defense looked leagues better. Um, we'll probably talk about, you know, Louisville when we go big picture a little bit, but Charlotte looked pretty good against Appy state. They had seven practices. Appalachian state ended up having 11 as well, but those are, those are teams that Georgia tech got six spring practices in. They beat Florida state. BYU got, uh, six spring practices in, uh, they looked pretty good against Navy, huh? So <laughs> which I, sort of sort of makes me wonder, um, I thought special teams was a real plus in the plus category oh, for Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's Isaiah Pryor totally lighting that dude up or it's, um, you know, some of the uh, the the returns, the kickoff returns that we had or, or Jonathan Doerr or the fake punt. I, I those are the things that you almost expect to slip through the cracks and. You know, whether it's Brian credit due to Brian Polian or or the guys that the personnel that he that he has in place there, I, I was I felt like that was a stabilizing force to have those guys on the field.
field. Did you, I found it sort of interesting. I think it was uh, before the season began. It was about 10 days ago. Brian Polian was actually out there dropping through uh, the um, iron wall that the um, People's Republic of Notre Dame have set up. <laughs> um, the, the, the media wall that they have up there. Uh, Brian Polian was dropping some special teams nuggets. So it seems like they dedicated some of their uh, 22 or 23 of the 25 practices. I think they lost two or three practices um, from the, the COVID shutdown in mid-August, right? Right. They didn't even get yep. the full complement of, of you know, summer workouts. But th- it sounded like they were dedicating time to special teams, which, I mean, Isaiah Pryor almost killed a man on that punt return, right? I, it was, I, I, I don't know why that guy didn't call for a fair catch, but I was all for it. Just, you know, yeah. I wanted to see his, I wanted to see his head, uh, separated from his body and I almost got it. So yeah. Shades of Jadavian Clowney and oh, yeah. Smith, Michigan, right? Yeah. So I was Greg, you're back. Is your, there. is your daughter, is your daughter? Okay. Everything's fine. Okay. Was, Nobody fell out of a, of was, a bed yeah, or anything. Sorry about that. No, it's sorry all good. About that. All good. Um, no, I want to get back to. I had a great. Point. Yeah, pick it up, pick it up. And now I can't make it. No, so so, <laughs> what I was saying is, it, everyone wants to get in a rhythm, and they're going three and out. It's like you can't get into a rhythm if you set up a script. You have plays that are going to um, build off of each other, but if you never get to them, then what's the <laughs> point of having a script? So I remember the second series, you know, they, they have a run to Williams and then they have another run to Williams. So it's like two runs for six. And then yep. they have Tremble in the flat who's wide open and it can't be completed, right? Like the pass sure. is a little bit hard and it's a little bit away from him. And then it's, he could catch it, but he doesn't catch it. And this now you have to punt. And so then everything is like, you just you have to start over again and everyone feels kind of bad. And, and I think that once they got a rhythm going, then it's like, okay, you can kind of see where they wanted to go with things. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that, that's part of it, right? Like the game starts in a way that you're not super, you, you know, you're not prepared for. And the fact of the matter is, like you guys have just been talking about, when you don't have a ton of practice time, you don't, you don't get to, to work on everything. You don't get to work on every situation where it's like, you know, you can't just work through the kinks like that. Like, you have to work through it in a live situation on NBC when everyone's watching. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I thought I thought some of the most interesting plays were ultimately passes that weren't completed. I think we've spent a lot of time, certainly you on Twitter today, talking about that screen pass that could have been uh, quite a bit of damage uh, had Ian Book thrown it properly. Um, I'm thinking also of the, it was a 38 yard throw to, uh, Lawrence keys, I believe who had beaten yeah. his man and, uh, just didn't connect with, with Ian book. And then the, the, this, the, the plays in the first two series, both have went off their hands. Uh, Karen Williams, I think in the first series, and then Tommy Tremble, as you mentioned in the second series that I think we would have felt a lot better about where this offense was or what they were doing. Um, had either one of those plays uh, been completed, but they weren't. So I, I don't know. I just I, I know that they were incomplete, but I also thought, wow, if they can, maybe it's a maybe it's a more reps with these guys. But if they can get these guys on the same page, like these are going to be explosive plays for dudes. Uh, well, the f- um, I, first I, I know that Ty. 
I know the tie from solid verbal was like, I just want to see Ian book throw a pass over 20 yards. Like, first of all, he did throw a couple of passes over 20 yeah. yards. The the touchdown pass to Avery Davis only goes for 17, but that only gets you to the goal line. I mean, he was at least five yards deep in that end zones. So there's one. And, and then obviously the keys play is, is another one uh, that I can immediately think of. So they were, they were, there was some attempts to stretch the field, but I think as Greg pointed out, and I think on the broadcast, they pointed out the same Lawrence keys leaked early on a play that Tommy, or uh, Tommy Ian did a, what was it? A check down. What did he end up doing on that play that where Lawrence Keyes had broken open and he just didn't see him? Greg, do you uh, remember what I'm playing? I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. They were in trips right, and he broke open. You know, he broke open kind of late, and Ian. It's a clean pocket, and Ian just doesn't. He doesn't see him. You know, and I don't right. know, right? Like I don't know the progressions or whatever, but I feel like the progressions should allow for seeing someone who's breaking late over the middle for a touchdown. <laughs> And, and instead, he's kind of falling back. He's kind of falling back, and he throws, like, you know, he tries to dump off to Williams, and it's not a good throw because his right. feet aren't set, you know, he, and he's, he's moving around. And, you know, he's doing that again. I don't like it. He needs to yeah. stop. Yeah, so is this a just a first game amped up sort of happy feet jitters thing, or is this something that I uh, – is, is sadly – sort of Ian Book's kryptonite, like sort of his sort of this something is, that you be docked for. I mean, this is kind of what he's always done, though, right? It, what What's the kind of goof that we have on Ian Book? It's that Ian Book refuses to throw the ball away. He'd rather run out of bounds for a one yard loss. Yeah. Ian Book, there's it just there were countless times last year where seemingly there was a man streaking across untouched middle of the field open and Ian Book's not even looking his way and either gets happy beat happy feet shifts out of a clean pocket into a potential sack does a you know a full 180 spin around you know spinorama and then tries to to make something out of it it just this is i think at some point we just have to accept that maybe this is just who ian book is and we want him to be better than perhaps that he is and i think that we can win a lot of games with him Maybe we need to stop thinking that he's going to be a quarterback that's going to be able to read his progressions and survey the field. And a lot of what he does best is mostly just instinctual. Greg, Greg, what do you think of that assessment? I think that's correct. I think that's absolutely correct. And that's why I don't understand if if it is, because it, I believe it is true. Like I looked at the game through the lens of like, what about is what's happening what about it is probably going to get better or could get better? And what about it will not, or like something needs to be changed up. So like, that's why I said the offensive line, like I think the offensive line was actually fine. And I think the running backs were fine. And I think the tight ends were fine. Like all those things, like there, none of those positions were perfect, right? The offensive line missed some blocks. They did. And the backs missed some holes. And the tight ends missed some things. But if you look back, you're not going to say, you know, why did they win the game? They won the game because of the line and the backs and the tight ends, right? And why was it a struggle? Because of the quarterback and the receivers. So if we all agree, and I think everyone listening does at this point, we all agree that Ian Book is not going to, like, like Brennan said, he's not going to sit back there and go through his progressions and pick out the right person on a consistent basis. It's not that he can't, 
It's just that, like, consistently, that's not going to be how it is. So why are we continuing to drop him back? Everyone's been talking about, the, you know, the, the Dan Orlovsky quote about how don't make him a playmaker. Don't, don't try to turn him into something he isn't. And I feel like when you do do that, when you drop him back, just straight drop back and have him survey the field all over the place, that's what you're trying to turn him into. And I don't think he can be that. And he definitely can't be that with the receivers that Notre Dame has right now. It, it just That's not how it's going to go. You need to get him. Look, I, like the whole time I'm watching the game, I'm thinking if Notre Dame was doing what Duke is doing, yeah. it would be so much better. Like if yeah. you flipped the game plan, it, it would be totally different. Like Duke did not have Chase Bryce just drop back. And so no. passes, they were always... They put him in the pistol, they had him rolling, and... Everything was play action. Everything was a misdirection, you know, fake handoff, roll left, roll right, play action here. It was always some something was being manipulated, and I felt like Notre Dame wasn't doing any of that. Well, so, I watched later that night Clemson with an all-world quarterback, an all-world wide receiver and or all world, you know, just run misdirection and find ways to, to yeah. Running back in Travis CTN, they have a pretty good wide receiver too, but mm-hmm. I, it's, it just, it frustrated me to watch them with all of this talent in the world still continue to do things like find ways, not, not run routes to get receivers open necessarily, but move the quarterback around the pocket, use players to, deceptively get players open in that way instead of like, Hey, wide receiver, go make them go make a cut and try and get open for the quarterback. No, they were, they were scheming ways to get them open. And it just, and, and to get Travis Etienne, who probably doesn't need help with the misdirection to, to pull up a hundred yard game, but they would, they would run counter plays for him and to, to pull the line one direction. And then ETN's streaking with nobody on the right side of the field. It was, it was frustrating to see the sort of creativity on display. And then when you see the quotes from Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa at the end of the, the, in the post game yesterday, and he's talking about the uh, new wrinkles that Duke was throwing at them with the pistol and the adjustments that they had to make early in the game, when was the last time that you heard a defensive player playing against Notre Dame having those same sort of quotes where Notre Dame threw some things at us that we didn't expect? When was the last time we heard those sort of quotes coming from the other locker room? I, I guess is my point. And, and it was that way with Long, and, it, and it's kind of frustrating that it's kind of se- it's way too early, but it kind of seems like it's the same way under Reese. Greg, did you did you consider at all what a chip long game plan might have looked like against Duke and how that might have looked different than or the same as as a Tommy Reese game plan? Like, what do you think might have been different or the same? Um, I'm I sorry, I put you on the same. spot here on that one. No, but, no, I, I thought it was the same. Yeah, I didn't think it was any different. The only thing that was probably different was there were a lot of. Um, there were a lot more multiple tight ends, like three tight end sets. Did you also uh, think that Reese uh, favored uh, more snaps under center than than Long? I, I felt like he was under center more. Maybe that's just maybe that's me uh, just reading into I th- things. I think but. I think that's kind of what I'm getting at with the multiple yeah. tight end sets because they would they would when they went their power sets, um, they would 
they would get in they would get under center. So that was more of like a second half thing. Which by the way, they were a lot better in the second half. <laughs> you know? And and it's and, 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 and Tony Dungy, he 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 highlighted it. It like it was it was such it was clear as day. Is that as soon as Notre Dame started getting getting Duke's defenders' eyes moving around a little bit, suddenly things got a little bit got a little bit they were on their heels a little bit more. They weren't so attacking. And, you know, everyone is um you know, Brennan was frustrated during the game. He's like, We're not moving them. And and that was not wrong. They weren't. <laughs> but the point, but the point is, is that like, I, and and I was telling him like they're not moving them because Duke's not afraid of anything right now. Everything that they see, they can trust. If it looks like a run, I'm flying up because it's a run. Right. If it looks like a pass, I don't have to fly up because it's a pass. Like they can trust everything that they see. As soon as you start making them doubt with the things that they're looking at. That's when Notre Dame started to to make it make their plays on offense, and that's when it was like, whoa, we can't we can't be as aggressive as we as we were before, and and I think that, you know, I, I don't think that Tommy Reese is a stupid person. I think that there's a good chance. I, I don't want to say there's a good chance. My because I have no idea. My hope <laughs> is that he watches the film and says, hey, this straight dropback stuff with this personnel is not going to work. If you, if you, you know, if you get Kevin Austin, if Braden Lindsay is ever, there's ever any explanation for why he can play in games. I hope he can. Um, if you get Kevin Austin and you get Braden Lindsay back, then it might be a little bit different because those guys have the skill to just straight win one-on-one. They don't what about a five-star wide receiver um, that, might may or may not have been featured in numerous uh, <laughs> tweets by the uh, football uh, video team uh, who decided to sit on the sidelines and watch um, Javon McKinley block uh, for four quarters. <laughs> um, and uh, Dude, how about Joe Wilkins? Joe Wilkins, yeah. As soon as he comes in the game, suddenly we're throwing the ball to receivers. Make it, yeah. First first catch was it. Uh, um, 50 seconds left in the half to a wide receiver, four yard pass to Wilkins. Um, <laughs> Greg, I do love your point about early on because those first three drives, two of the three drives, the first and the third, both of those had sacks that took it off schedule. The second, the second play of the first drive, Book was sacked for two yards, and on that third one, you know, Book had a three, ten yard pass to Tremble on that drive, but there was a ten yard sack on the second play again. And there was a, I, they, they ended up just totaling, what, uh, three, five, nine, nine total rushing yards um, and then two sacks. So they ended up with negative one yards of all or negative uh, uh, three yards of offense on the first three yard, three drives of the game. Which well, that's kind of where mean, I had some uh, early on. I, I, I will admit, um, I was a little hard on the offensive line at the onset because it was just so futile what was going on. And by the end of the game, everybody, most, at least four out of five of the offensive linemen cleaned it up and looked fantastic. But, um, yeah, I just, early on, it was, I guess it was that predictability, like you said. Um, 
I feel remiss that we have Greg on the show <laughs> and we haven't yet talked about probably uh, the biggest thing that happened in the game, which is the, the injury to Kyle Hamilton. Oh, man. Um, as the unofficial president of the official Kyle Hamilton fan club or unelected president, uh, I just wanted to see if you had any special insight on what we might have seen there and what that might mean for South Florida and what you thought changed about the game after he left, because um, he was a force to be reckoned with on that first drive. What was it? Three was, tackles and, and a breakup. Let me tell you, man, I loved what Clark Lee was doing. I mean, he like if Clark, if, if anyone ever wondered what Clark Lee would have done with Jalen Smith, wonder no more. <laughs> I mean, Kyle, Kyle was playing deep free. He was playing in the box. He was blitzing from the safety position. They came in from the nickel position. He was blitzing. I mean, look, when your best player, has a ton of production. I mean, what do you have? Six tackles in the first half? Yeah, that feels right. That? It was six tackles, a pass broken up, a quarterback hit. I mean, when he's got a ton of production early, you know um, you're putting him in the right position. Um, so when the play happened, I see him go down. And it's one of these things where I'm just like watching him and he, you can tell that he thinks that he's hurt Mm -hmm. and that, that always kind of freaks you out. Right. Cause it's like, it's one thing when you like see the injury, but you can always tell how someone reacts to it. And so he thinks that he's hurt and he's just laying there and he's hitting the thing. So you don't like to see that. And when I saw the replay and I saw the ankle go, I thought, okay, I, I think he rolled his ankle. Because your first that, thought is it could be a ruptured Achilles. It could be a hyperextended knee. I wasn't knee, thinking like you don't. I was, I was thinking the knee. That's what I was yeah. thinking. I thought, I thought I was knee, thinking, by the way. The, he he yeah. tweaked his knee a little bit. And then, but then when I saw the replay, I saw the, the ankle go a little drag, bit. Get drag, get drag, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, so I thought, oh, okay, it's his ankle. And if it's his ankle... And the way that it that it twisted, that's it was it's a low ankle, it's not high ankle. Sure. So I thought, okay, and and then you know you, you get the you get the the tw- the tweets during the the commercial break. He's walking off on his own. They wouldn't let him do that. Um, and he's you know, and then you see him and he's going into the tent. It's like okay, well, you know, if you could see him walking. They wouldn't let him do that if they thought it was his knee. And then no, they let you I mean, walk off if you blow out your knee. I've seen plenty of players walk <laughs> off of their own power with a knee just but, in shit. In like what I mean shreds. is they wouldn't let Kyle, they wouldn't let Kyle do that. <laughs> Not our Kyle. So 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 then Priester is on the thing and he's like he's out of the tent, he's hobbling around, but he, they didn't take him to the locker room. It's like okay, they didn't take him to the locker room. It's not his knee. So, right. That's we're not good. now we're so not then, looking at so then, ACL tear, right? Yeah. So then and the fact that it's like if it was like broken or something, they would take him to the locker room. Sure. So then when that happens, it's like, all right, whatever it is, I'm gonna see him again uh this year. Sure. He didn't come back for the next series, and I'm like, well, if it's his ankle, that's not getting any better. It's either, it's either good now or it's not good for the rest of the game. Sure. So, so uh, um, apparently Brian Kelly told the radio broadcast at the end of the game that Hamilton could have returned, but they opted to play it safe. I don't know. 
I mean, so I, I don't know if that's what I know, blowing smoke. What I know is Brian Kelly is not a truthful person right now. <laughs> yeah. About anything. And so I don't know if that's true. Maybe it is and maybe it isn't. That, here's what I think. If you roll your ankle and you can play, then you just play. Right. You know? It's like, oh, we didn't want to risk it. Well, it, I mean, it's his ankle, right? If it's not good enough to play, then you don't. And if you don't, then it's, it, there's a good chance that it won't be good enough to play in the next game either. Sure. Just, that's just the nature of it. And maybe it's okay, right? Maybe he woke up today and there's not that much swelling and everything's fine. So... So well, either uh, way, they don't. They uh, shouldn't need him next weekend. I was going to say, I know you're in the dark about this and you have no extra information, but <laughs> a, a question for you in terms of should he play? And if he can play, um, like, I, I guess, it, what would you put the likelihood of him playing next week, uh, taking into consideration that he's now hurt himself and the opponent should be lesser, to say the least? It, it's not a should. Like, if you can do it, then do it you okay. know like it, it's not it's not one of these deals where like it, since it's a low ankle thing it's like once the swelling goes then functionally he should be fine it's just it's just a question of the swelling like the swelling will determine if they can get it down then it'll be all right and if they can't i mean because it, it, it's also one of these deals with like did he like you can sometimes you twist it and it's like ow that hurts and it hurts a lot and then sometimes you twist it and it's like you can feel the the ligament kind of because like when you sprain it you're actually tearing ligaments so you can feel it like you can feel the pop and you sure. really don't like it <laughs> so 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 it's like that's, that's one of those things so his reaction the way that he reacted yeah it's like in so much pain it's like that makes me think that maybe he felt something like that sure in which case. You know, if you can't, like, if he can't really cut and do all those things, then I wouldn't play him. Because, because what we saw there at, in the, after he went out, it's like, look, you lose the playmaker, right? Like, you lose that special playmaker. But, like, let's remember, Notre Dame had a pretty good defense in 2017 with, with Nick Coleman playing that same position. <laughs> <laughs> and they were functional, right? Like, there's a difference right. between, like, we have someone who is a supreme playmaker for us, and there's someone back there who can just, he can do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, did you did you think about that when E.J. Brown had the, the interception in his hands and then and kind of muffed it or whatever? You were just like, I, I have to imagine at that point you thought, if Kyle Hamilton's there, he not only snakes that ball, he's he might be running back the other way, right? If Kyle Hamilton's there, they're not even running that play. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> That's what everyone was saying. Everyone's saying like, oh, you know, uh, oh, that Kyle would have snatched it. They wouldn't have run that if Kyle was there. Why would they? You're gonna run some deep post. Well, they okay. they threw it his direction on on what fourth and two uh, in the first series. Or do you think it was lesson learned there, or do you think that they they hadn't learned the lesson at that? Well, point? first of all, it should have been lesson learned. And I think what happened is he he broke it up and he he looked at their bench and he he had to have been thinking to himself, how dare you even think it? Even <laughs> think that you would get this over on me? No, 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 because the. The, um, the the fourth and two is like the quarterback. He, Kyle happens to be covering the person that the quarterback wants to throw it to. And on this play, it's like, okay, Kyle goes out. The, the next 
play, they, they throw a deep post to this kid. So yeah. obviously that's a called play. Like they we're, we're, we are going after him. Which is what you do when a backup right. comes that's into the right. game. You and, immediately and honestly, target the backup. And they probably told him, like, hey, you're not Kyle Hamilton. Be ready. <laughs> <laughs> I, what did you think of uh, accepting Kyle Hamilton? What did you think of the play in, of the secondary in general? I'm, I'm most curious about what you made of Nick McLeod because this is our first time seeing him in an Irish uniform. Certainly we've seen him on the field before uh, against Notre Dame. But um, – yeah. What, what was your what was your take on on, on the way that Bracy and, and McLeod and, and others played? Um, not concerned, I guess is okay. the best way to put it. I mean, here's the thing, McLeod, like he's not he's not like um, he's not a guy who's who's going to have like low like the low um, completion percentages against like. Like Troy Pride, right? Or, he's not um, a Troy Pride. That's what that was kind of my takeaway. Right. So like he's not going to be a guy like the the opposing quarterbacks aren't going to have like thirty percent completions. It's going to be like maybe in the fifties, you know, something like that. But he he's solid enough to where you don't. The offense doesn't say we we can pick on this guy for the whole game. He's good enough for that. It's like they're not they have to be they have to play honest, right? Now he's gonna be on the boundary, he's gonna cover someone's best receiver every week, you know, and that's how it's gonna go. He didn't give up anything deep, which is important. Bracey had the one play where they threw it deep on him and he broke it up. Like that is super important because if you go in your first game and you give up a deep ball, then that makes everyone think, Oh, we got something here and they're gonna keep trying it. If you break it up the first time, then it's like, okay, like we can't just go doing that stuff. So I, I was, I was happy with them. I was happy with, I was happy with the way um, Crawford, I thought he played really well yeah. for his first game for what they need him to be. He can, he can do it. Like he can do that. And and once Kyle comes back, that, that's, a, that's a good secondary. It's not, I, I don't think it has the, like the upside of the 2018 group, right? Like I don't think McLeod is going in the third round to anybody. <laughs> and I don't think neither is Bracey. But, you know, you don't totally need that, right? You need to be functional. If they are the, the, the 2017 Jalen Elliott and Nick Coleman, then that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Brendan, was there somebody on the defensive side of the ball that, that really caught your eye that, that you kind of – found yourself looking for on uh, plays, even if they weren't, say, maybe involved in the tackle or involved in the play? I mean, the low-hanging fruit, obviously, is Isaiah Foskey because he was everywhere. Yeah, he, that, was that was um, fun. But I actually – I don't know, guys. I Of of the linebackers, JOK is probably the easier pick, but I actually was kind of impressed with the play of Bo Bauer. They called his name a lot. Bo Bauer had a pretty exceptional game and spent more time on the field than I think that I kind of thought that he was going to end up. Um, yeah. I think yeah, Glufau played a lot, a lot more than I expected. Yeah, him to play. Lu, uh, that hair certainly stands out. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but both of, I, I really like the way that the, the linebackers played in the game. Um, I wish Sean Crawford didn't kick that ball. Uh, oh, I could have said that it was a, a near flawless game that kept the uh, you know, Chase Price under 
fifty-five percent or whatever. Started with that garbage. It was kicking the ball. It's uh, yeah, that was not optimal. I, I thought it was bogus. They brought Terry McCauley in to uh, explain to us, like, oh, hey, well, you know, a slight kick would be okay, but you know, when you kick it outside the back of the end zone, there's really no call for that. And it's just like, just gotta call it every time. I feel like it's a bunch of old white men being like having no sense Shut of up, humor. Shut up, Terry McCauley. You know? Yeah. So, uh, I know. Uh, Kurt Heinisch on that sack. Yeah, on the Great. sack, he's now a team. He's uh, tied for the team lead in sacks. Um, <laughs> Kurt Heinisch, uh, team leader in sacks. Uh, can't wait. He is a big boy. He is uh, thick with two C's. I am. Uh, <laughs> the play of him and MTA up the middle. Uh, I'm very. That that's that's something that I'm. Uh, you couldn't do anything on the ground at all. Deion Jackson, if he got 50 yards, uh, if, if, if he got 50 yards, uh, it was maybe a, a shade over. Um, they just, they could not do anything rushing the football. And I think that that's going to be a staple of Notre Dame's defense because MTA and Kurt Heinisch in the middle, and then the speed that they're featuring off the end. I just don't think in looking at the teams that played this weekend outside of Clemson, None of them can run the football. Wake Forest can't run the football. Uh, Georgia Tech can't run the football. Florida State can't run the football. Um, Louisville didn't run the football. Hawkins didn't look great against, um, you know, Western Kentucky. Uh, so we'll see. I, I still think Louisville, uh, Mikhail Cunningham's really good, really, 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 really good at running, and he was electric. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't think anybody on this roster – uh, or not on this roster, but on this uh, schedule is going to be able to run the football against Notre Dame. And I think by season's end, Notre Dame's probably going to field a top 10 rushing defense, um, which I think bodes pretty well, because um, I think that's what Clemson's going to probably want to do a little bit of. Let's talk about, uh, go back to the offense and talk about Chris Tyree a little bit. I, Brennan, you've been very big on him, and I obviously Greg has, has sung his praises as well. What did you make of his day, knowing, understanding that, you know, this is his first start as a freshman, uh, obviously not only was in the backfield, but also was uh, returned some kicks. And I can't remember, was he on the punt too, or was that Keys? I, I can't remember. It was Keys on the punt. He had a Keys nice, on that opening return was, well, I know that he had a 25-yard rush, which is longer than Sebo Flemister's ever had. Um, <laughs> but he certainly finished with, 20 yards rushing, which wasn't great. And when he missed that, that, uh, block, I believe it was on the, um, the third drive. Was it on the third drive where, where book got sacked for 10 yards, uh, where he just like second or third. Yeah. Yeah. Completely yeah. missed the, uh, his assignment. I, my heart sank because I, because it was a similar thing last year, um, where Kelly has been known to just be like, you were never playing again. And yeah. my heart sort of sunk, wasn't it, but wasn't Avery. Davis, who missed a block in the backfield against Pittsburgh in 2018 and like was never heard from again. Uh, I feel like there, there was somebody that missed a block. Maybe I, I can't remember if it was Davis or not, but um, yeah, they had him uh, know, polishing the Hawaii Bowl trophy. I was going to say, I know Greg gets really frustrated about when I when I point this out because he hates this about Kelly. Uh, I think I can speak for you on this one, Greg. But like um, I definitely felt like there was like a Tyree, like, is Tyree going to be in the doghouse for the rest of the game? So like, I was very excited that, um, they gave him multiple chances to redeem himself. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the block thing, as soon as it happened, I thought, Oh God, you know, this is not, 
But just like don't don't put him in that position. It's a straight drop back. Could you please just do like yeah. play action to where it's like something different and he's not straight drop back and he has to be responsible for this stuff. But um no, they, they, they put him back in and it was fine. And and look that and, and by the way, that's why you put him back in the game. Because they could do the thing that they do, which is the twenty-five yard run, you know. Right. And it's like, and that's why, that's why you just want to play them. And, and that's, that was in which, the fourth quarter too. That twenty-five yard run was in the fourth quarter. Right. Which um, was which was just a sexy blocking scheme. All. From, oh yeah. Uh, the O line down to McKinley. I, I just it was yeah. fun to watch that play develop because first of all, you know that guy's got burners, and second of all. He's he's hit that, that hole and then he's like, oh wow, we're we're second level already. All right, like let's see if he can outrun the secondary. You know, yeah. it, it was like I, I don't know how you guys felt, but when Kyron Williams was running free down the sideline, when that guy was like, he had the angle on him. I thought this is Tony Jones Jr. all over again. I'm like I don't think I don't I don't think for a second he's gonna get to the end zone. I mean, oh, on that Chris, 75 yard run. Yeah, Chris Tyree. I, I think running. Catch. I think he probably would have would have uh, ghosted that guy or Brain Lindsay. You know. So, I think he probably also scores. Yeah. He probably also scores on that Jafar Armstrong weird stutter run catch, running catch, right? Oh yeah, I didn't even think. Yeah, about that. I, I, that was weird. He he did the uh, that was that was a strange thing. I don't know what he was doing. He was definitely feeling himself, and that's fine. You know, just don't, just don't, just don't, uh, just don't fumble it, and I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, by the way, I, I, that's a perfect. That is a perfect role. For Jafar, it really is like you give him like maybe five touches a game. He doesn't have that responsibility. It's like you're the lead back. You bring him in, you give him a couple carries, you give him a couple catches, and it's like that—that's your contribution. That's what it is, and that's fine. You know, but you can clearly see what Kyron has there. You clearly see it. You know who he runs like? I was Kyron Williams. The game earlier. You know what's that? Are you, are you talking about Kyron, who he runs like? Yeah, no, but just not, not in terms of, like, he doesn't have, like, that same just, like, overall athletic ability, but he has, like, he has that instinct and that that uh, forward lean and that aggressiveness of Ezekiel Elliott. Ooh, wow. He does. Zeke, Zeke he's not, too. He's, he does, yeah, he doesn't have that, like, upside, you know, just like that, that just, like, like Ezekiel Elliott is, like, a class higher at the moment, but Kyron, man, he's got, he's like the way that he just like jumped over that guy on the goal line. Oh yeah. That first touch. It's just like, how many backs have we had that would have made that specific play? I mean, that's like a Theo play. That's a Theo play. I think maybe, well, the one thing about Zeke that perhaps if if we're going to do this, if we're going to, if we're going to do Zeke to Kyron, um, the one thing that Zeke has is more so than any other running back in the NFL, probably outside of Marshawn in the last like 10 years, it is that absolute bulldog mentality of I am going to eat and I'm going to get mine and you are not going to stop because Zeke, Zeke, those legs do not stop. And Kyron, Kyron, yeah. So, I mean, maybe can be, if we got baby Gronk, maybe we can have baby, baby Zeke. (laughs) What do you think? I'm down. Speaking of baby Gronk, first of all, I'm not sure I'm sold on that, on that nickname, but I did love uh, Michael Mayer. I, I joked when Josh was 
Zahn that if there isn't a fan club started, we should start one um, for him because I, I loved him and Foskey in this game. And I think he was somebody that I heard talked about, but I didn't get to see um, highlights of until they, until this game. So I, I was very, very, very pleased. I think he's, they definitely have a role for him in this offense. Um, but I wanted to ask you about the play that was after the fake Bramblet, the, the Bramblet run where they threw yeah. to, to threw it to him. And I felt like book put it in the perfect place for him, which is like a place only that really he could get it, but it was in traffic. I mean, what do you think? Ill-advised pass or, or sort of nice touch on that? It was both. I mean, on that particular play, on that particular play, he's got Brock right open down the middle for a touchdown. He's uncovered. Um, I wish he had seen that. Um, and so does Brock Wright. But, but, but no, it's, it's one of those things like, I, it, you know, generally speaking, generally speaking, Ian will, will, he can make throws like this. And that's the thing with him is like, he's not, he, he doesn't lack for the physical ability to do it. Like he fitted in there. And if, you know, there, there happened to be someone else who was a better option, but the fact of the matter is, and he fitted in there, and Michael Mayer snatched it out of the air, and and it's like this guy. He's just some people you could just tell, right? You can just see it. They 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 are in the game, and the first chance they get to make a play, they make a play like that, and then he makes another play, right? And then and and, and you just think, okay, it's kind of like I remember the same way was Michael Floyd. It's just like the, as soon as you you throw it to him, it's like, oh, okay, that that's different. It's different than everybody else. And yeah. so, you know, and so I don't blame Ian for being like, hey, where's this guy? You know, it's like, where's the, where's the guy who in practice, every time I throw it to him, it's a completion. I want to throw it to him, you know? And it's like, okay, you missed, you missed Brock right. Like maybe next time don't, but. <laughs> do you, do you see Mayer kind of becoming that, that developing that relationship with Ian Book, like Ian Book had with Cole Komet last year? Um, hmm. to Trumbull a lot in this game. Trumbull ended up having five catches. And one thing about Trumbull, too, that really impressed me in this game, Trumbull's a hell of a blocker. I didn't think that Trumbull was going to be as good. At, like, I, I sort of looked at him as being more like a, a Jimmy Graham finesse tight end, right? You'd sort of stick him out on an island and, and let him sort of line up in the slot. But Tommy Trumbull was getting after it blocking this game which was something that I don't think that I was entirely anticipating. He's a monster. He would, and he, and you know what he does? He does the lead blocking thing from the fullback position yeah. really well. Yeah. And, you know, it used to be, it used to be that like whoever we put in that spot, it's kind of like, okay, whatever. Tyler he Lua is Tua, really right? good at it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he is really good at it. Yeah. And he just mashes people, especially, you know, from that spot, they have him at the kick out against a safety or a corner, and he just crushes guys. He's got he's good hands, big hands too. I, I, I'm, I, they did that drag route a couple of times with him that um, I think they used to do with Claypool last year, right? It was more like... Uh, uh, yeah. 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 And uh, I was like, oh, I could, I could definitely see him if he's matched up with a linebacker, like totally running away from dudes and getting 25 yard gains off of this, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I was, I, I, 
I was already sold on Trumbull. I, I I don't know that that was that was that much of a surprise that he did what he did for me. But um, yeah, I, I, look in a in a after one game the <laughs> the wide receiver core. I think maybe you pointed this out, Greg. Like I'm not sure why anybody was real hype about the guys that we had. I mean, McKinley had a couple of good blocks, but he did nothing in terms of the reception game really. And then. Skoranek got himself hurt, and I think he only had one target before then. It was a ball that was really more thrown away out of bounds than it was towards Skoranek. And and, uh, and so then it just became the Joe Wilkins show, which, I mean, God bless anyone who, who knew that was going to happen, right? That's how we all wrote it up in the spring. Exactly. That's, yeah. Uh, well, He's I'm, I'm, guy. Feeling, I'm feeling a lot better about my Kevin Austin leading the, uh, leading the team in receptions. Uh, uh, prop bet because I just I feel like they're going to be waiting for him to come back to to make that impact that they don't have right unless Lindsay it it is a hammy and he was just a little bit tight and for whatever reason they thought it Brayden Lindsay who can come into the football game um, was less effective than uh, maybe the least inspiring wide receiver performance uh, Notre Dame has fielded in you know a decade and a half um, yeah, I, uh, I think that South Florida is not great <laughs> and I'm very interested to see what sort with Skoranek being, with having a whole week of no Skoranek, cause I think Skoranek going out really threw a wrench into what they wanted to do. You know, we famously flew out to California through with book. So I'm interested to see what sort of shakeup that they're going. I think that the the people we see come out onto the field, or when we get this depth chart later in the week, if if you know Cal, you'll um, you know let um, you know one of the the comrades in the the SIDs to to allow the media through the the iron wall. Um, I I'm not going to be surprised if the depth chart is just flipped on its ear, because frankly, it needs to be. Because they can't, yeah, they can't continue to trot out pass catchers that don't catch passes. Avery Davis had, uh, you know, we we didn't we didn't mention Avery Davis touchdown, uh, touchdown catching first wide receiver touchdown of 2020. Avery Davis, um, one of the highest uh, uh, advanced metric players in the football game. Avery Davis, um, maybe the fastest man on the in the state of Indiana. Avery Davis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now you t- yeah. well, look, we were with you on the first two jokes, but now you're taking it too far, Brennan. I mean, <laughs> um, you're, you're just trying uh, to set Greg off, and I, I know, I'm just I know what you're to, here for. I'm, try- I'm just here to, to – but, yeah, I, I don't want Avery Davis. I don't want Javon McKinley, and I don't – maybe I want Joe Wilkins. You know what? Uh, he, he he showed up at the end of the half, and that's, that's good. But I need Braden Lindsay out there. I need Jordan Johnson out there. You – you let Michael Mayer and Chris Tyree go out and make plays. Why can Jordan Johnson not get onto the field? Because there's nothing that I saw on Saturday that proved to me that he couldn't at least get a crack at it. Right? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, you know, no one's going to practice. No one can see any of these things. It's just, I, I don't. Maybe, maybe the lack of practice time, they, they can't get him integrated or whatever it is. I mean, the thing is, is like, I was thinking of McKinley. I think they need to get him to the boundary if they're going to use him. Because here's the thing. His blocking is 
is very much not nothing. I mean, he is every good run that Notre Dame has. It's Javon McKinley out there holding someone 20 yards down the field. Yeah. Shades of, it was shades of Michael Floyd, right? It's, as far yeah, as like wide receiver of, block. Honestly, shades of like Lake Dawson against Corey Ooh. Sawyer in 1993. There's a Ooh. throwback for you. Yeah, there you go. And, and, and it's just like, that. It, he's too, honestly, he's too good at it not to have him out there. And, and if you want to go back, and look at some of the uh, offerings of Ben Skoranek in that in that phase of the game. Left wanting, so <laughs> I, I think I think they need to put I think they need to put McKinley to the boundary. I think they should move Wilkins out to the field, and then you know, listen if 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 you want to if you want to do the 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 thing with Davis and Keys. You know, I don't know. Here's the thing. Davis, he, I'll say this for him. They gave him two chances to make plays, and he made plays twice. Sure did. Okay, now look, there are plays to be made when you're out there running routes, right? Because a lot, like a lot of these, like I'm going through, the, I'm going through the, the game and I'm trying to find examples of the line, right? Mm-hmm. This is how the line is blocking. This is how Ian Book is reacting to the pocket and that sort of thing. In some of these, like I, I sent you guys a couple screenshots of Ian just kind of like floating backwards. Well, the problem is if you go, if you, if you show the, the end zone camera, there's no one open. Even if he did it perfect, there's no one open. So it, 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 that's kind of like there's multiple problems going on. So I, whatever it is, I don't think they have their best three starting right now. And, 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 and Joe Wilkins is a, is a good step in that direction, right? He's just getting your best guys out there. But I think you can have I – don't, I don't understand why you can't have a rotation. I don't understand why someone like Jordan Johnson can't play in the slot. I don't understand why Xavier Watts can't get some run. Yeah. You know, I, I don't understand why the coach can't tell us why Braden Lindsay isn't playing in the football game, you know, whether it's his hamstring or some other problem. I, I don't, I don't have an understanding of why these things can't be told to us, but were you, were you surprised at all that they didn't try to do any kind of like reverse or something end around with keys or Tyree at all in the game? They did a They did a jet sweep. They did that little flip toss thing to keys at one point. Oh, did they? Yeah, they did one. Um, the Tyree thing, I, I honestly, like, I think they, I'm not unhappy with the way they use him just because I, I don't like the gimmicky stuff personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, I think they can use some of, some of these plays for for later on i mean because here's the thing if you're gonna do it you want to do it with Lindsay. why yeah i just want him to play in the game i I would like to point out i would like to point out that after the game brayden Lindsay did end up popping on twitter that day and he just simply tweeted out dub dub okay so i mean that's not something you do if you're pissed off or pissed off Sure. This is a kid who I think is still locked in 
and he knows that he's going to get to get on the field and he's going to make things happen. That's my hope. I mean, look, if it was his hamstring, then I understand, right? I've had hamstring problems. If it's his hamstring, the last thing you want is a soft tissue problem becoming like a real soft tissue problem. Mm-hmm. So if that's what it is, then I get it, right? Like I totally understand. You don't want someone like him, especially with the way he runs, man. He uses those hamstrings like for real. Like like uh, <laughs> like Chris Tyree, he's not like the high knee guy, you know. He's 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 a he's a lot lower. Braden gets those knees going, man. If that hamstring, if something happens to it, I'm not. I, that is not good. So and if you're Braden Lindsay, you're not known for your route running yet. You're not known for your hands yet. You're known for your speed, and if you don't have all of your capability, you know, all of your speed capabilities on there, maybe you don't want to get onto the field and get exposed, right? Exactly. Yeah, totally. Like that—that's the toll game, right? You can't, and, and not just that, but he's like one of these long striders, so it's like it takes him—it takes him a little bit to accelerate. It doesn't take Tyree that long to accelerate. That's why he always wins the forties, because he he goes. As soon as he's got it, he goes. Lindsey, it takes him a few strides, and then he holds it. And it's like, man, he's still – why is he still running so fast? He should be slowing down. But that's not Lindsey's game. And so if he's got a problem and he has to continue to accelerate on the hamstring, that's when there's a problem. So I – if that's what it is, it's okay. But just, hey, man, just say. Brady's got a little thing. And you don't have to say it's a hamstring. Just say it's banged up. He's got a little knock. We love him. We're going to use him as much as possible. Uh, switching topics on you. I saw, Greg, a tweet that you had, I think, a couple of days before the game. And you kind of were laying the groundwork for the fact that, you know, it turned out to be 10,000 people. But I think in your tweet, you said 15,000. That's not an insignificant number of people. And so I felt like it had a, a more active vibe than, than a spring game. Uh, you know, and I thought that the, the crowd noise, I don't know if noise is the right word, but the crowd atmosphere, uh, was still pretty good. Um, I'm not, you know, it certainly wasn't 77,000 good, but, um, I was actually, I was actually surprised even though I had read your tweet saying, don't be surprised. So I wanted to ask both of you guys what you thought of, um, the crowd noise that you were able to hear and maybe what role the, the band was to kind of give that sense of maybe normalcy as close to normalcy as possible. Go ahead, Brennan. Um, so yeah, I, I watched, I don't know about you guys, but I watched a lot of football over the weekend. (laughs) I watched almost every, (laughs) almost everything. And then I ended up watching a lot of football this morning too. Um, you know, cause uh, Charlotte and I were up early. Um, Notre Dame had a better environment than almost any other school, out there. Um, Wake Forest didn't have anybody and it was very odd. And I heard uh, there was some, some, some things I was reading out there about uh, North Carolina. Mac Brown was mentioning it because uh, North Carolina didn't have any, any fans in there. And he accredited some of their slow start to the fact that players didn't know how to get, it, it was tough getting things going because it was so sterilized that the atmosphere um, and maybe the, it didn't show up for the offense, but those first couple of drives defensively, um, it didn't feel. And when I was watching the game, 
if it wasn't for the crowd shots that were a little bit odd, you know, with everybody's distanced out and there's that one lonely usher uh, who was sitting, you know, in a, a section all unto himself. But the sound wise, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't think that I noticed a big difference between if it was a Duke game in mid-September, uh, maybe because it was the opener, it probably would have been a little bit louder but if this was a mid-September Duke game, I don't know if it would have sounded any different to me. And am I alone there? I felt the same um, way. I guess I was surprised by Josh's uh, insight that yeah, he it, was, it, it felt different. So, Greg, what did you think? It, it, I mean, it, it didn't feel the same. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's just like the difference in everything just looms. Like it's never – you can't escape it. Everything feels kind of weird, but – The reason that I was saying, like, I I think I think the the empty stadium thing is a little overblown. And I and I think I told you guys in our little chat, like. The difference between 15,000 people at a spring game and 15,000 people at, like, let's say a state championship football game is those 15,000 people at the state title game are pretty fired up. It's not a practice. (laughs) It's a game. And so it's this not is practice. a game. Like practice. whoever is there, especially if they're students, they're the loudest ones anyway. So if it's you the get drunkest. students there, yeah, and you get students there and they're all happy to be finally at a game to be doing something. They have plenty of room to move around. They're gonna be they're gonna be in a good mood. They're gonna be fired up. And I think for the players, sure, you, you want it to be as loud as possible, right? And everyone talks about, oh, it's so loud, it's so loud. Listen, all you need is an atmosphere. And you don't need 70,000 people for an atmosphere. You only need a, a certain amount of people to get there and be like, okay, these people are fired up. I hear the music. I hear the band. I hear yeah, everyone is, is cheering and doing their thing. I am feeling like this is a game, like for real game. Noise is a part of that, right? And you can't manufacture that. But guess what? I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, by the time Clemson comes, there will not be 10,000 people in the stand. Yeah. Well, it will not. Greg, I would like to make one addendum. You can manufacture noise because I watched the Wake Forest Clemson game <laughs> and there were no fans in attendance. And I don't know and if they were it was piping on the broadcast. In. I don't know if it, yeah, they were piping in it. I don't know if it was in the broadcast or if it was in the stadium as well, but Wake Forest is just getting housed. It's like 37 to three and they're inside their own 10 and they pick up a first down and the crowd's going nuts. And I'm just thinking to myself, I go, one, the crowd's not there to be going nuts. And two, um, they certainly, if they were there, I'm sure a first down in a 30, you know, a, a four touchdown game, you're not going to be like losing your mind. Like ESPN was piping it in. Let me, I want, I want to, um, I want to over under. Oh, I'm good at this. I nailed it last week. Right. I, I hit the, uh, the under on <laughs> if, completions. If you, if, if you had done or, uh, completions, not attempts. Yeah. yeah you, you, you would have known. Yeah. No, that's, that's what I did. I did completion. Right. <laughs> All right, all right. This is what we're going to do. Over, okay. under for the Clemson game. Okay? Attendance in the stands, 35,500. Oh. oh. All right, so, so talk me through this because my, my initial reaction is, is to say, oh, this is, this is easy. Take the under. 
why uh, uh, they've talked about expanding the audience uh, for the December Syracuse game. How do you think we get there a month earlier than they even think that we get there? We get there by they have some sort of special rapid test. You have to you have to take this rapid test and have it produce a negative result before before the uh, before you enter. That's how they're going to do it. Okay. Like a slide. You're talking about the. First of all, they're, they're going to keep they're going to keep expanding. So the the as the yeah the, the antigen, on, those those yeah. flipped up. There's the Abbott's right. fast the the five dollar fifteen minute right. uh, antigen. So as, the, as the season goes on, and by the way, by the way, have you checked out some of these like Florida State games? Oh, they were it was packed. I've never seen that packed. many people in one place looking as sad. Probably I don't know since the Florida State game last year. Packed and no mask. Here's the thing is, is I didn't think that they would play football because the toler because I didn't think that the tolerance that they had for like positive cases and that sort of thing would be what it is. Okay. So, so now I have learned that, okay, they're willing to tolerate a lot of things in order to play the season. And now it's like everyone made these protocols back when it was like, okay, this is what the tolerance is. As soon as that that goalpost starts moving in one direction, by the by November there is going to be a lot of people in the stadium. That is my prediction. Yeah, it's going to be game, tough to keep the big money donors out of the stadium exactly. as well. Exactly, there will be people in that stadium. You believe it? It will not be like that. I'll bet this is the least amount of people. Well, maybe next weekend. But the after, like, like the, after next week, that will be the least amount of people that is in a, in the stadium for the rest of the season. But now the Big Ten is about to play. They're, well, we'll find out tomorrow if they do. They're gonna. We'll play. find out tomorrow if they play. They're gonna play. Are you? Do you have any? Both both guys here. Do you uh, start with Brendan? Do you have any strong opinions about the Big Ten restarting in say at say mid October or starting yeah. in mid October? They look utter. It, it's just a complete failure of administration. I mean, I, I think Kevin Warren was put into a very bad spot as a first-time athletic director, and you know, it's it's not something that anyone was able to handle. I think that if it was Jim Delaney, the Big Ten was starting right alongside of the rest of the conferences. To be honest, um, and once the rest of the conferences started going, and once Ohio State uh, was one of the three that it came out with uh, that, that wanted to play football it probably was just a matter of time before they were going to, I don't know what their science is or was at the time. Um, but once they saw the rest of college football playing, once the university of Ohio state had a silly lawsuit, right. They weren't going to win that lawsuit to, to get, you know, whatever the, the 50 million back in um, big 10 media revenue. But uh, I, I don't know. It's it's I don't I, I don't think the Big Ten should be allowed to compete in the playoff just because I'm sour grapes about it and I don't want them to have nice things. But um, it was only a matter of time. And then I, I wonder about, uh, I guess, at this point, the Pac-12. Um, the yeah, rest Greg, of the power five about the. Yeah. Any chatter about the Pac-12 uh, picking up? uh, uh 
this uh, the focus seems to be on the Big Ten, but I, I, I haven't heard a thing about the Pac-12. Are they still adamant about spring? Uh, they are. I mean, they're they're basically waiting for this new. Um, they made a deal for this rapid test um, to come out, and that's going to be in like mid October. So they couldn't they, they they couldn't really ramp up to play until like November. By then, that's too like, late. They can't hold it's too late. What's that? So if they ramp up yeah. in November, that's too late to be part of college oh, yeah, football too late. season. No, no, no. Yeah, they can't. They're not involved. So, how did uh, walk me through this, guys? I know this is this is we haven't finalized anything yet, but how does structurally does this work? It, is the Big Ten still trying to play ten games? Are there are the playoff participants going to wait three or four weeks to figure out if anybody in the Big Ten is can qualify for the playoffs? Like, does anybody have any good sense of what this might look like? No. But I know they will win. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, because there's the thing. Here's the other thing. This is all for Ohio State. Yes. Yep, it absolutely That's 100% it. Yep. is for Ohio State. That's fair. That's, That's it. fair. It's just for Ohio State, right? And so, like, they wouldn't do it. Like, they would not. If Would Ohio State play? If, if, if the three conferences said, hey, you can play if you want, but, like, the, this ship is sailed. Like, we're having our own championship. You guys can do what you want. Ohio State would not play. The only reason they're doing this is because they 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 either know or they feel like they can just force their way into it. That's what it's for. And like whatever, you know, I don't I don't have like I, I I'm trying not to care. Like I, all I care about honestly is like is Kyle going to play next week? So is to, is Notre Dame going to play next week? That's it. So to put this to to, to your question, Jude, if they were to start. On October 17th, and if they wanted to try and do a 10-game schedule, right, you're talking about finishing your season in mid-December, and then you have a conference championship game. Um, You would be looking at a conference championship game on the 23rd of January, and that's if there's no bye weeks. And you can't do that in this particular era because the reason what the um, ACC has done with their scheduling model and what the SEC has done with their scheduling model uh, is they've allowed for some wiggle room um, because there's teams like Virginia Tech that's having to postpone football games. And there is no – the ACC title game is not set in stone. It is tentatively scheduled for the 12th or 19th. Right. Of December. So the ACC is set up to expect teams to miss and have to push games back. Like the the assumption is teams will have to push things back. If the Big Ten tries to do that, they're not probably going to be able to have a a big, you know, if there's a postponement, they're just going to have to lose that game. So there's some Big Ten teams that end up playing eight games. There's some that might play nine games or some that play the ten. But if they expect to be ready to go for the college football playoff on what January 30th is that is that when the the college football playoff is this year? I don't know if they're going to have their season finished by then. Yeah, they're not uh, they're not going to play ten. I, I can't and then, imagine. And, 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 then, and then it gets it, then it gets weird when some teams have played eleven and some have played seven. So, so and, Rutgers Rutgers is not. I bet Rutgers doesn't play. Yep. Yeah, Governor New um, Jersey. I bet Minnesota doesn't play. I mean, there's good, so they're going to play like seven games. 
I'm not even sure if Michigan and Michigan State are going to play because um, Gretchen Whitmer is. I mean, <laughs> I. Could you I imagine was, if Ohio State plays and Michigan and Michigan State don't play? They'll play. Well, I was Michigan I was watching. State will play. Yeah. I don't know, man. I was walking by. Uh, I was watching my local high school soccer team play soccer as we were, you know, my wife and I were taking the kids around and we were walking by the field and players have to wear masks. Uh, the, the governor, had, her edict is that players have to wear masks competing in athletic competitions in the state. Yeah. I've seen it in volleyball too. It's crazy. It's weird. Looks and weird. there were like soccer players running over to the sidelines, having to pull down their masks and like wheeze for air, put their masks back on and like run back onto the pitch. And I'm watching it. And I'm like, what are we doing? Maybe so I, I don't know. State will play. Cause yeah, because Schlissel is one of the I'll ones who's I'll pushing pretty hard, and he's a virologist. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why it's different. And, and this is why they'll get a thing because the kids you're talking about, these high school kids and all that, they don't, what access to testing do they have? None. Sure. They don't have any. None. Yeah. So that's the difference. It's like, right. we'll give you an, ex- we'll give you an exception because you have the testing, right? You can get tested. Like, you know, apparently they're getting this thing where it's like you could test three times a week or whatever. It's like if you have that sort of infrastructure, then okay, we'll make an exception for you. That's what will happen. They're, she's not gonna. They're, they're not gonna do that. One thing about Michigan State and why they wouldn't tread their own path, though, is the Larry Nasser thing has left Michigan State University in. Um, they're they're sort of under the state's boot. Um, they they actually had to install former. Uh, Governor John Engler to be um, the interim uh, president, and that didn't go great. Um, they fired, you know, longtime athletic director and one of the most innovative athletic directors, and Mark Hollis had to step down. Um, Michigan State right now is not much of an actual athletic department, uh, so I don't know if they would make any sort of power play as to to move out. And they have a first-time head coach, right? Um, so I, I don't I don't know if they would they would be willing to to dip their toe in the waters if Michigan doesn't. I could see that. I could see them not doing it just because, like, for all the reasons you said. I mean, look at Ohio State will play. Yes. Penn State will play. Yep. Michigan Iowa. will play. Iowa will play, and we know Nebraska is playing. So, I mean, that's – I mean uh, – Wisconsin's going to play. Barry Alvarez is going to get it – is going to oh, make yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Wisconsin, Wisconsin will play. So, they, what is that, six? Purdue in Indiana both will play. Um, I don't. I don't think that there's going to be a problem there. Northwestern oh, probably doesn't play. Yeah, so then there's eight. They, they, yeah. They're, yeah, yeah, they're going. They got it. They got it. Yeah, they got it. They got it. Yeah, for sure. It'll be fine. All right, gents. Before we wrap this up tonight, I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about anything that was kind of adjacent to the game that we didn't talk about, whether it's Tony Dungy or uh, Coach Kelly's contract extension. Or um, Charlie Weiss Jr. coming back to South Bend next week. Is there anything, any topic we didn't broach that you think uh, you have an opinion on that you'd like to share? Brandon, we'll start uh, with you. Okay. Oh, oh sorry, no, you go ahead. No, Greg, go ahead. Apologize. Well, no, I, I got this. So, here's, so here's the thing. I hope, it is my sincere hope, that everyone has made their, their, um, uh, I can't get used to the ACC logo being on the on the mm. field. 
and on the on the pylon and on the the thing with on the the goalposts. It's just so weird, and it's on the helmet. Like, okay, we got it. It's weird that they're in the ACC now. I understand. We're moving on. All right? Because let me tell you something. I didn't notice, and I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. I don't think it should be a talking point. I, don't I was saying the same thing before you got in the pod. I, I just I, – I, I, I barely noticed. I don't care. Um, and it's this whole like, it looks like, you know, Pete Sampson suggesting it looked like a minor league stadium with all the branding or whatever. I just said, I, I just disagree. I take the other side of that. I, I, I just don't, it, it didn't, honestly, I, I didn't think of it once, not one time did I think about it except for when I went on Twitter and I was like, could you guys stop talking about this? Like it's like look at the pylon. Look at the look at this thing over here. What? There's an ACC sign on Lou. Like I, I stop. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Everyone knows what's going on. They're not gonna be an ACC next year. They're not gonna be a permanent member. And even if they are, like it doesn't matter. I just wanna watch the football game. So that's my thing. Stop talking about the ACC bit. It's annoying. Well, guess what, Greg? I'm going to talk about the ACC. Uh, I got <laughs> oh, two God. I, but not, not about the conference, but more in terms okay. of I watched every ACC team that Notre Dame's going to play this weekend, except for Boston College, who didn't play. Yeah. Um, Clemson looks very good. And, yeah. and that we knew that Clemson was going to look very good. And Pitt played Austin P, so who cares? Uh, and they blanked him. But, um, boys, I'm very nervous about Louisville. Um, I think that we, we, we had said that Scott Satterfield, once he gets his defense up and running, um, that it's going they're going to be a tricky opponent. Well, it looks like they got their defense up and running. They, if you looked at the box score that you, you'd see, Oh, Western Kentucky scored 21 points. Well, Western Kentucky scored 21 points because of two mishaps on special teams that set them up at the one-yard line for a one-yard touchdown run into the three-yard line for a touchdown as well. Um, Mikel Cunningham, next to um, next to Trevor Lawrence, is the second-best quarterback that we're going to play. That includes Sam Howell that didn't look great. Yeah, he threw two picks. Um and is probably going to have a sophomore slump, but Mikhail Cunningham looks absolutely terrifying. He has, it's, it's unfair to, to when you see a Louisville quarterback who's good and can run and can throw and you, you, you know, you throw out the Lamar Jackson and that's kind of a lazy comparison, but it is very Lamar Jackson. The kid, he's got a, just a gear where if he decides to keep it, he can go and he's got a cannon and he's got weapons and they look very terrifying. And I'm very upset and, and scared. Uh, Florida state stinks. <laughs> Uh, in Georgia Tech, um, I, I saw a lot of people and watched a lot of things over the weekend where they were talking about Jeff Sims. Uh, he's the answer there. Well, he threw two sh- really shitty picks um, to Asante Samuel Jr., and they scored 16 points, and I'm supposed to be really excited about them, but whatever. Um, and then I guess the, the the last thing that I wanted to to mention was um, a close family friend of my, my wife's family and my, my wife, um, Howard Parsons, he's a 1974 Notre Dame alum. He, he passed away, uh, over the weekend and he left behind a wife and, um, three kids. And, uh, I just wanted to, to give a shout out to 
to Howard. I know he's he's watching um, this Notre Dame season, um, you know, up in heaven. And I just wanted to to put that out there. He was very close to uh, my wife and, and their family. They were, you know, pretty much attached to the hip growing up, those uh, the Parsons and the Popoviches. And I just wanted to to mention that um, on the pod here. Sorry, we're sorry for your loss, your family's loss. That's uh, always hate to lose a, a domer and a fan. So yeah. All right. Um, I was I was just gonna say that uh, I I laughed in 2014 when somebody asked uh, Brian Kelly where he would be when uh, Notre Dame played Texas A&M in 2024, <laughs> and he said uh, sitting at a beach drinking a mai tai uh, somewhere. And now his contract runs through the 2024 season. So um, I don't know if we're going to have for the for the length of the contract, but uh, I think it's just uh, funny to think about him possibly being the all-time wins leader, even with the vacated wins um, for having the most seasons coached. I think this job takes an enormous uh, mental toll on individuals, and to to, to think that he's uh, been at this for uh, 10 seasons just uh, it kind of uh, boggles the mind so uh, look the numbers speak for themselves at this point 19 straight home wins uh, which is the longest since 87 through 90 uh, you got to be happy you got you got to be happy about that and yeah of course there's room for improvement and uh, can't wait to to welcome Charlie Jr. back to uh, campus rudely hopefully and uh, and avenge some of those 2011 ghosts because uh, I think Tommy Reese really needs this one, and so does Brian Kelly. Jude, the closest beach to College Station, Texas, is Jamaica Beach. It's a uh, 128.1 <laughs> miles away. Uh, maybe it can uh, it can be sort of a, a Hugh Freeze thing where he can uh, <laughs> remotely coach the game. I mean, New Rockney used to be so. Uh, you know, uh, he died so, at halftime. Uh, died at halftime once, right? No, that was Frank. But oh, yeah, um, Frank. Yeah, but yeah. Newt, Newt Rockney used to say, I, "I'm just gonna go scout the next team or whatever," and he would leave the the coaching yeah. duties to his to his subordinates. So, oh, I'm just saying, you know, there's options. There's options. So, well, they do Greg. play the NIU Huskies the next week, so he might need to uh, scout out and see what Northern Illinois got cooking. Perfect. Perfect. Greg, it was such a pleasure to have you on. Brendan, always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, you can find Greg, as we talked about, at uhnd.com. Uh, He's going to be recording a podcast, I think, tonight, right, with with Michael for the uh, – Awesome. So we got to we gotta get you going so you can have a breather before you <laughs> uh, re- restate some of these great ideas. And, uh, you know, obviously Brendan is our, uh, our gift master and our Photoshop extraordinaire over at One Foot Down. Uh, Greg's also on Twitter at 20, Greg2126, and Brendan's at very piratey with an E. Um, just in case you don't know, I spell pirate for some reason. I thought maybe you didn't, but I'm going to be at tw- on Twitter at, at DJRS. Find me there, and we can talk about everything I got wrong and my hosting duties tonight. But other than that, uh, gents, uh, that's it for tonight, and go Irish.